What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 23, season 6. I'm your host, Jim Iphone, joined, as always, by Jack Smith. If you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and set an alert for future shows. And if you're listening as a podcast, please make sure you're listening and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to get notifications for future episodes the minute we upload them. Boys and girls, Jack, we have a massive mammoth-sized episode for you guys. Topics galore. Uh, We're going to touch on them all. Uh, We'll try to get to it all within 60 minutes, boys and girls, as you pile in to our show. It looks like we have some people watching. Nobody's commenting high. There we go. We got Teddy in the comments. We took Tampa to the woodshed, but we can't beat stupid Pittsburgh. Yep, we're going to get to that. Uh, We're going to touch on the weekend games. We're going to touch on the Tampa game. Uh, we wanna, we're going to touch on Drysdale, Forrester's hot, where are the Flyers without Urson? Is there a, a Calder conversation to have? Uh, obviously, uh, the Nick Sealer trade talks, uh, Sean Walker as well. Uh, we'll get some playoff talk in there. We'll look ahead to March schedule and, of course, the trade deadline. Now just weeks away. Is it next week, Jack? It is a week from this Friday, so pretty much, yeah. Wow, that came quick, and uh, it's bound to be an exciting week. You know, there's going to be rumors galore. There's already a rumor that uh, Elias Patterson is now signing in Vancouver when just a day ago it looked like he didn't want to play there. So uh, we all know how this goes. It's silly season. Let's kind of get to uh, some of the factual stuff first, Jack. Let's get the, uh, uh, I guess, the boring stuff out of the way, if you will. The Flyers had a couple games over the weekend. Pretty big games against the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hold on real and quick, Jim. I got to interject. Uh, I got Elliot. News? Sort of. Uh, Josh just sent this. I see it here. Elliot Friedman, Calgary and Dallas are working on a deal for Chris Tanev incoming. And as soon as I was reading at Josh Bright, friend of the pod, obviously bright side just said Tanev to Dallas. So we'll keep an eye on that until we get it to be official. But it's, I mean, that's Elliot Freeman. I made sure it wasn't a parody account. That's him. It looks like it could happen as soon as tonight, which has huge implications on the trade deadline, just about a week out. So just, uh, we'll keep you updated on that. I'm following it as we go, but keep that in mind. Yeah, that's big. I think Dallas was rumored uh, to be interested in Walker and Sealer. So we'll see what happens there. We have in our notes here that teams are waiting for Calgary to kind of get the market moving here and that would be a big domino to fall uh so we'll definitely get on that let's let's hurry up and get through some of this um uh, kind of touch-up stuff here flyers gave up four points over the weekend big metro division points could have put a lot of space in between them uh, and new jersey and pittsburgh uh, and they gave up four um i thought they looked pretty good saturday against the rangers jack thought they should have won thought they pretty much uh outplayed new york for the majority of that game Saturday night. And unfortunately um, couldn't beat Tristurkin more than once in that one. Um, and then obviously we had Sunday, which was a mess of a game. Uh, Flyers lost seven to six against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, a- a- and as a repercussion, Cal Peterson was sent down today um, for that. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Flyers call up Sandstrom or if they, you know, go, go a different route. We'll see. But Jack, Want to get your thoughts uh, first on the games uh, that occurred over the weekend before we get to Tampa Bay? What a shame. I mean, two of the best performances I've seen as a clear, I shouldn't say clear underdog. I thought they were underdogs to the Rangers, but not Pittsburgh. 
and they played their asses off. They're without Konechny, and you could tell in that Rangers game the difference was Konechny. If he's in that game, they win that game. They really gave it all they had. Uh, we got the big oaf, you know, uh, six-round pick from the Rangers fighting Delorier and then getting a bullshit goal. I mean, good for him. I'd be honest with you. It's good for him. But it's just one of those games. It's like, geez, they had no business being in this game. Probably should have won it. Just can't even get a point out of it. And then they go into the Pittsburgh game where Peterson was clearly cashing checks from Pittsburgh. That was one of the that was the worst goaltending performance of any team this season, and one of the worst I've seen in quite a long time. I mean, sometimes when you just don't got it, you don't got it, but you don't want to pull him and put Urson in when he just played. And it's not like you're really going for it this year either. So you're in a tough spot, just hoping he writes the ship and maybe your defense helps you out. Your offense certainly did. That team was never out of it. That never say die attitude. That's an 11 and nothing win loss rather, um, you know, the, during the Voracek years. But these guys, they never gave up. Good for them to show they had some heart and stuck in there and really gave it all they had. And uh, it's just a real shame. Both games, you don't come away with one single point. That was a tough weekend. To say the least, uh, I think we were all hoping for at least two. You know, I, I think we all ex- maybe we shouldn't have been, but we all expected a win over Pittsburgh. And you know, the circumstances played against the Flyers. Pittsburgh was waiting for for Philly for I think since Thursday, and Flyers obviously starting their backup goalie. Um, they were able to put six by Jari on just twenty one shots, but uh, you know, tough. It's tough to to score seven times against anybody in the NHL and. Let alone, you know, let alone score eight to win. Um, I think they were down by two for most of that game. So, you know, it's tough to come out of the weekend with no points and then to have to go home and play Tampa Bay, uh, who the Flyers haven't beaten at home for, I think they said seven or eight seasons now or seven, or the last seven or eight times they played Tampa at home, um, which is pretty wild. It seems a lot longer than that. And what do the Flyers do, Jack? They come out and they win. Uh, it was one-one game through two periods. Flyers were able to score five goals in the third to win six to two. Uh, Tyson Forrester scored again. He now has four goals in his last three games. We're going to touch on him. Um, but what did you see against Tampa, Jack? I mean, were you surprised that did the Flyers outplay them, or did Tampa just not have it? I do think the Flyers outplayed them a bit. You'd expect more from that offense. And when they went on the power play, they were really quick to take a penalty and give up that power play. And we said, Flyers, stay off the penalty kill. And for Tampa Bay's own fault, they did. However, Vasilevsky had a bad game. I mean, I have him in fantasy. I just came back. I started the season one and seven. I am nine and nine. I am depending on Vasilevsky to not make this miraculous comeback be in vain. And that was a rough start to my week the other night. I really thought that they were going to beat the Flyers. I, I want the Flyers to win, but I'm still going to start the right guy in fantasy. And his all the almost all the goals he looked up, I'm like, gave up. I'm like, wow, especially that Forrester goal. I was like, geez, where did that even go in? But yeah. I ain't going to complain. Forrester being anything important to this team is a thousand times more important than my fantasy team. But uh, I was – very happy with the goal scorers brink being called up and getting the first goal of the game. I mean, I'm all about, and it wasn't any kind of tapping either. Like, it was a legitimate goal. I was great. Like, again, that's one I think fast you should have had. You see it kind of bounce off his, his, I believe it was his, uh, his waffler and kind of like went in, like you almost had it. You should have had it, but at the same time, I'm going to give it to the young kids making things happen. Um, yeah. I mean, Tampa didn't show up with everything they had. That's for sure. That being said, they're that much better than Philly, in my opinion, especially without uh, Konechny, that uh, I was surprised. It was a, What was the final score? Six to two? Six to two. Two empty net goals. Two but empty still, netters. Yeah. 
well, hey, I got to give your credit for nailing it from his own corner. Like, it's uh, pretty rare they hit that one. I guess no pressure. But uh, that means they were working it. They When they can get ahead against a team like that and control the pace of the game and knock in on the penalty kill too often, as good as a penalty kill is, a team like that you want to avoid, they can do things like that. They have the the skill here and there to, to make things interesting. But ultimately, if I break that down, Vasilevsky had one of the, uh, a performance to forget, and the Tampa Bay uh, t- Lightning overall – they just didn't have it. They just they just not have it offensively. That was all flyers the whole game. Oh, I will say their second period was pretty rough. I don't know how it wasn't worse. But then they looked like amazing in the third. So I don't know how they switched that, flipped that switch. Maybe it's a Tortorella thing. But um, they they took care of business after a, a, a such a tough weekend that could demoralize any team attempting to hold on to a playoff spot. You lose to two division teams, two, one team you're chasing, another team trying to make their way up. You lose ground like that. You play your ass off, get nothing. To go play one of the best teams in the East and get a win like that, a significant win, You got that's great. That's something this the previous regime could not do. They just did not have it in them to either come back like they attempted to over the weekend or hang in big games or respond in the next game, no matter who it is, in this case, a very good game, a very good team, and Tampa Bay Lightning who took who handled them last time they played them, and uh, get back right back on track. That's for sure. <laughs> so something I've been noticing with the Flyers of late, and it's somewhat uncharacteristic because they jump out to leads and they kind of just strangle out their opponents for the rest of the game. Um, whereas if they jump, like their their whole plan is to get out to an early lead, um, and when they do. They take you into the second period, and they've were sort of taking over games. They made it really tough for opponents uh, to to score, let alone get shots on goal. What I noticed uh, throughout the last week or so is that trend somewhat changed, and it started in the New Jersey game, uh, the outdoor game. Flyers would play okay for the first period, and then some for some reason in the second they start taking penalties, uh, and it'll kill momentum. And, and that's when you'll see the, sh- the momentum shift to the other other team. Same thing kind of happened yesterday. Just didn't bite them in the ass like, like it's kind of been with Pittsburgh, New York, um, games like those. Uh, they were able to, you know, escape the second period, tied 1-1, and come out in the third and, you know, do their thing there against a very good Tampa Bay team, mind you. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they got revenge for the 6-3 beatdown that Tampa gave them earlier in the season. Flyers blocked. I just want to point this out real quick, Jack. Flyers blocked 24 shots. Um, that's a lot of blocked shots, which, you know, the past few years, we, we hadn't seen a lot of those uh, under the old coaches and some of the players they had around here. So mentality's changed. You know, the culture's, culture's changed. These guys are blocking shots for wins. Tampa well, Bay had a total of 22 shots on goal. According to, uh, and not to jump the gun here, but according to Nick Sealer's contract demands, all those shots were blocked by him alone. So uh, let's get into that a little bit because that was interesting. So it came out. Uh, was it was it Anthony or was it Dave Pagnotta? Which who put that tweet out? Ooh, who who broke was, that tweet? I want to say it was the fourth period, but I'm gonna try right. to double check. It, it was definitely the fourth period. I, I just can't remember exactly who. Um, I believe so. Basically, what it said was the Flyers want to sign Sealer for somewhere in between two point five and three. They don't really want to go higher than that. And it didn't sound like they want to go more than a couple years. And if you're Nick Sealer, you're you're a second pair D, you're leading the league in blocked shots. You know, this realistically 
this is going to be the biggest contract of his career. And uh, he's earned it, right? This is where the Flyers, this is what the, and this is the same thing for Walker too. Do they need to be the team that pays Nick Sealer for what he's doing? Now, you'd like to, I would like to see Sealer back in the role that he's in, maybe third line guy, a leader on this team. You know, he's blocking. Well, he's going to break, break the Flyers' record for shots blocked in a season, which I think is 204. Uh, I think they said it was Jason Smith, actually, Jack, while he was here that that has that record. He's going to break that. I think he needs like 20-plus 20, 20 more shots, something like that, blocked. He deserves to get whatever he gets. The Flyers aren't in the position, in my opinion, to give him any more than $3 million, you know? So it sucks to say because we've watched the guy grow. He's, you know, the, the typical Philadelphia story, right? Uh, the underdog guy kind of revived his career here. It's been fun watching him, you know? He was out of hockey. He was contemplating hanging the skates up a few years back. I mean, he's the ultimate underdog story, Jack, you know? So it's un, it's almost un-Philadelphian-like to be like, no, nah, move on. <laughs> we don't. You know, glad we have glad you revived everything here, but do it somewhere else. Um, what are your thoughts on on Nick Sealer? I mean, going back to when we first had him in training camp years ago, I was a fan. I remember talking to you about who stood out in that in that game, and I'm like, this Sealer guy. I don't know where he came from, but he was all over the ice on defensively, blocking shots was the main thing. He, I remember him laying it out, like putting himself in harm's way, his face particularly. And ever since then, it's been like, who is this guy? Where he keeps hanging around and putting himself in the conversation. And now look where we're at. Uh, he's priced himself out of Philly in a sense. Um, it's a shame, but it's not the end of the world. Look, if I'm sealer and his agent, you ask for the, the moon and the stars. Of course you do. You're how old? It's your last shot at a real contract. Get what you can. And you got to play the game. Unfortunately for the flyers, I'm not going to play the game. I hope he gets whatever he wants elsewhere. I hope it's way West. Like, no, we don't have to see him because I like him too much, but it's all hey, we need to change him. We need to trade him. Excuse me. We need to trade him. Get what we can. I don't care if it's a fifth. Like you're not signing, you're not signing a guy. That does not make sense. Especially if he wants term on top of that. I it was Dave Pagnata. I'm reading it on Sealer. Sounds like the initial contract ask wasn't received overly well by the from the Philadelphia side. Talks ongoing, I believe, but sounds like Flyers want him in the 2.5 to 3 range annual. Uh, average annual value that doesn't even discuss years. And I think most people, I think people outside see him as a 1.92, which to be real with the cap going up is a bit low. Uh, but that means their absolute most is 2.5. Philly was willing to go three. He is looking for a fair bit more over multi years. Now I wasn't assuming the flyers were looking at a one year. I say three at the absolute most, but most likely a two. Sounds to me like he's in the three or four range and he might be in the 3.5 to 3.75. I'm not going to say four. That's just idiotic. But if he's looking for a fair bit more, they're not saying that if it's 3.25, meaning he is really pushing the envelope and adding another year or two to whatever we could be asking. No go. You can't do that. I mean, people wanted, wanted Walker back at these numbers on the low end. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I love the guy. There, there's going to be a somewhat of a hole at the bottom of that defensive pairing. You can't do that. Not the Flyers. Let somebody else do that. Somebody else who's got it needs a little bit more depth, missing piece who can afford that because they got a good value elsewhere and can make it work year wise. 
does not make sense for Philly because that contract's not really tradable down the line either. Move on, cut bait. Hopefully it's all posturing for position just to get somebody to get him for this year. See what happens. It is an interesting scenario with Sealer for me. Uh, whereas a guy like Walker, uh, you know, there's not that I, there's any attachment for me for, for Sealer, but like Walker is like, hey, he's been here for not even a year. Uh, he's found money. Go ahead and move him for what you can get. For Nick Sealer, he's been in this locker room. He's been with the team while they turn things around. Like you can convince me to want to keep Nick Sealer around. Uh, as Sturdy says, he is. I think this is the first time we've seen Sturdy in here. So thanks for hanging out with us, Sturdy. Uh, Sturdy mentions Walker. Uh, oh, he says Walker blocks like six shots a game. I wonder if he meant Sealer. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, so Sealer's blocking a lot of shots, and you can convince me to keep Nick Sealer around for multiple reasons, you know. But uh, the the other part of that is the Flyers have guys that are ready to come up. Uh, I think Ronnie Adder's making his potential debut uh, this year. Uh, you have Emil Andre. Uh, I don't know if he's knocking down the door. He plays the left side. Uh, but the, the point is the Flyers have guys that they can slide in here. And, you know, I don't know how much more time you want to keep Adder in, in Lehigh. Um, so uh, the, I, I get where Nick Sealer's coming from. Look, he's, he's playing second pair D. Like, he, he's got all the argument or, or whatever leverage you think he has, he, he's got it. And he's been playing like a second pair D. The problem is he's 30 years old. Um, if he wants, if he wants more than, if he wants 3.54 million, you just can't do it. And I think it's okay for the Flyers to say, we hope you get that somewhere else, but we can't give it to you here. You know, I think that's okay. I mean, at the very least, if you have to move on from, this is the shutting the door on that. There, you know, I would have liked to have him back. I don't think it's really worth it to get a fourth rounder for him at, when you can have him back at, at the most 2.5 for a year or two. But these numbers are starting to get silly. If he's not, if you're going to, at this point, you're worried that he just might try attempt to get it elsewhere. Like you, you would have to bid against other teams at that point. Move on. It ain't worth mm -hmm. it. You'll get something for him. Trade him and Walker as a pair, which is again, starting to come back up and rumors, whatever gets you the highest return. Or trade them separately. Just trade them. It is what it is. You are where you are. You got guys in the AHL coming up. You mentioned Adderts coming back up. They have other guys. There was an article that came out about um, Adam Ginning um, have it going back wherever the hell he's from. Um, the article mentioned he was a top prospect. That made me spit out my drink. That was funny. Uh, but the point is, there's a logjam. And move, making some room for these guys to get a cup of coffee, to see what they have. Uh, you know, sometimes coming out of training camp, the guys aren't always going to give you your best. However, if they start to play an actual season, an AHL season, and they can like, like Forrester did last year and could come up and, you know, have a little bit better of a go of it. I'm thinking of Andre in this scenario. He did not have a good start at the beginning of the year when he was up here for a cup of coffee. See what he has now, make some room, get some assets in the, in the meantime, just do it. This is what rebuilding teams do. I know our season has not been identical of that of a rebuilding team, but we are still rebuilding. We don't have what it takes to go all the way. Get some assets. Get some young guys some playing time. Do what you got to do. It makes sense. And this is just another example of why you need to do it. So do it. And so I think the trade for Chris Tanev is now final. It looks like Pierre Lebron's reported. He's reporting that Dallas traded to Calgary. A, and Flash fans aren't going to like this. 
a second round pick, a conditional third round pick, and Artem Grushnikov. That's oh. what went to the Flames for Chris Tanev. And hey, I, I've been kind of trying to prep fans the last, maybe the last week that, hey, you might not get a first for Sean Walker. You just might not get it. And if Chris Tanev was set in the market, you know, that first, you might need to include a Nick Sealer to get that first round pick. Do you it. Know? Do yeah. it. Because it's like, you, now you're giving somebody an, an entire second pair. You're not just giving them a defenseman where you can slide wherever in your lineup. You're going, hey, all of a sudden you got a brand new second or third pair, you know, in your roster. It's, well, it's worth a first round pick. I'll be honest with you. Over the last like two weeks, I've been getting a, a feeling like that we weren't going to get nearly. I was, there was a time I was like, I thought for sure we were getting a first for Walker, but reading different outlets and seeing how teams have been acting. For example, Tampa or uh, Toronto offering like multiple low round picks for certain players. Like you can tell certain teams are trying their best not to trade a first. You have other teams that just don't have first. So you, you, you might be priced out a bit. However, Hanif is now off the market. I don't know if a team's going to trade for a guy like Hannafin. What other defenseman off the top of your head was being dangled out there? Maybe if the Flyers play this right, teams gets desperate right before the trade deadline, something around those lines. Maybe you, you throw Sealer in there, you get a first and a fifth, something like crazy like that, or a low-level prospect. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um you know, if you play it right, it's not. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Uh, the the Dumba, very good point. Dumba's another name that's available. Um, it it just depends. I I do think Walker is still the top defenseman available besides Hannafin. I'm not 100 percent sure Hannafin gets traded uh, based on teams' needs. I think they're looking at Markstrom now in Calgary, but you never know. I, I just think the certain teams don't have the price to get just Hannafin and he might just hit free agency. I don't know if he's got another year in his deal. He's either unrestricted or he's got one year left sealer. You can get, you can get, I'm sorry, Walker. You can get, and you can have sealer as well. That's a good get. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be weird. How it's going to be paid played. I don't see it though. I, I really, I'm thinking for Walker, I'm thinking a second and maybe like a B level prospect at this point. Yeah, we'll see. We we got a week for things to play out. There's some good points in the comments uh, about Tanev. He's a little older. He, I mean, he was the guy that, you know, the first chip to fall, the domino that everyone was kind of waiting to go. <clears throat> I think Dallas kind of made out okay there. They they gave up a second, a conditional third, and I don't even know who that guy is. I guess he's a, a project-type prospect. Calgary um, so retained 50% of the salary as well. What was he making? Four, four something, four, okay. four and a half on there. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if, if, if age matters so much for guys on one year deals, unless they're considering, you know, re-signing these guys or something. I'm not sure how, you know, what team's cap looks like, but, uh, or if Tanev even has years left on his deal, let's check that out real quick. Um, who did he get no, traded to? We're talking about Dallas. He's All right, unrestricted. unrestricted. Yeah, he's unrestricted. Yeah, so I'm not sure how much age factors in, um, to be honest, unless they're on some kind of a contract. 
But uh, anyway, so there you go. First first big domino to fall. Now we'll see what, what else happens. Let's talk more about the Flyers defense, Shaq. We're going to talk more trade deadline, I'm sure, uh, later on in the show. Jamie Drysdale was hurt against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday. Uh, took a pretty heavy hit. And uh, to me, it looked like his shoulder flew out of its socket. I'm just speculating. I don't know. Uh, didn't look good as he was skating off, kind of just dangling along the side. Uh, according to Cam York, he avoided the worst case scenario, whatever that would be. I would assume a torn uh, labrum. Yeah, I, I guess. Which he so, already uh, went through and which Dan Silver thought had me thinking he had because he had the same quote unquote dead arm when he skated off the ice where it just kind of rests lifelessly at your side. All the signs of a torn labrum again, which we, he already went through and missed tons of time, affected his development. I personally think that was the worst case scenario. If it's if it is just a dislocated shoulder or something of that nature, I'll take. I was at the point where like I'll take it. I will take that. This year's I won't say a lost year, but look, I will take that over another torn labrum. You're not looking at him getting back into the lineup full steam until like the end of November. You know, I I will. I was nervous as anything. People were starting to show how cursed we are. That was all over Twitter. Can't say I necessarily disagree with some of the bullshit we went through, but. Look, cross your fingers. That's all it was. Yeah, you know, he, he might even play this year still. I, that that was good news. Yeah, I mean, let's hope you know. Let's hope for the best. But uh, you know, that's that's a big loss. You want you want Drysdale out on the ice, kind of learning the system, getting the feel for things. You want him to just learn. You know, that was the biggest thing for me. Is he's learning? He's still learning out there. We're not seeing him anywhere close to his max potential. Um since he's been with the flyers and uh, that to me, that was the, the toughest part of the, the injury He's he's losing valuable time to get up the speed. Now you want him to be okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you have, I think you wrote in here, are, are people worried about Drysdale? Are you worried, Jack? I did feel a little down. I felt a little like we got screwed, but I was, I think I was being reactionary. Uh, the guy's been injury prone. Let's be real. It is what it is. Anaheim did him no favors, rushing him to the NHL. Probably needed to put on – well, he did. He needed to put on some size, and he's been getting some – racking up some injuries because of it. Now he's out of sorts. He needs to learn this, this system, that system. That was before I heard that it was week to week instead of month to month. It's week to week. Look, you, you, he can possibly come back this year, but mainly he can have a full off season. He can have a full training camp with this regime and get you know get up to snuff. And then we can see what we have. He's still plenty young. He's still, this guy was drafted, what, 2021, 2020? So, I mean, that's nothing. He's what, 20? He'll be 22 next year. He's got 10 years to figure it out. He, he's got plenty of time. He's a defenseman. They take longer. I know because of Cutter Gauthier, we need to get something and we need to get it good. I'm not worried anymore. If as long as he can stay healthy, it was a pretty solid hit. It's not a torn labrum. I will be glass half full for now. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm not worried. You know, it's it's not a head injury. It's something that I think can heal. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually for keeping him out longer term just to make sure he's okay. I don't think you need to rush him back, you know, or anything like that. <clears throat> if he's a hundred percent, different story. If if he, you know, if if he wants to play and he's not a hundred percent, you don't let him play. This is where they need to start watching out for players for long-term, for the future. You're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, you want to be competitive, but not at a player's expense. So 
Get him healthy. Yeah, and I think uh, Vinita actually said the same thing here. I would shut Drysdale down for the year, get a full rehab and strength training in so he's good to go for training camp. Yeah, I 100% agree there. So that's it on Drysdale. Very, uh, I mean, your worst fear, I think, uh, was that he would get hurt again and be out a lengthy amount of time, and he ended up getting hurt. And and who's this guy that hit him, by the way, Jack? Like, ne- the- I never heard of him when they said it. I was like, who? See, that... I'm all for hitting in hockey and yada, yada. But I just got to say, like, if if most people don't even know your name, maybe don't do shit like that, right? Like, like who are you? To, well, it's fine. It's, it's, a, it's an open ice hit. Maybe Drysdale should have put himself in a better position. Like, I don't even remember this guy's name. Well, you sound guys like, out, uh, like Jamie Drysdale. Who, like, who you, is this guy? You sound like Mark Stone in preseason. <laughs> is that what he said? He, it was a former flyer that hit him. I can't, his name escapes me. It was a pro, former flyers prospect is what I should say. Uh, and you get, you got to understand it from their perspective. They're, they're trying to make it in this league. Uh, they're probably on the cusp of AHL and NHL. And you make a lot more money in the NHL. So I get it. But at the same time, if I look at it from the other perspective, you're going to want to make Jansen, it. Jansen Harkins. Who the, who the hell is Jansen Harkins? Uh, <laughs> He was actually a second round pick. Hey. Never heard of this guy in my life. Well, that's because we don't follow Pittsburgh's prospects because they suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's the, that's the, when I saw the hit. That's the first thing I thought of was who the who the hell is this guy? Uh, and so yeah, it, yeah. He's, and Benit says he was it wasn't a dirty hit. Drysdale was in a vulnerable position. Still, still pissed me off though. There's your Look, name they, there, Jack. there you go. The chat is on. They just whenever I need it, they're, they're always there for me. I love it. But it's the truth. Like it's the same exact situation. It was in preseason, which is probably a little bit, you know, worse when you're an NHL player. But that's mostly when these guys play. Now, Hodson's was like a what a fifth round pick or something. But like if you're trying to make the NHL, that's a big. You just make your mark for your organization, and he's no longer with the Flyers, so he's with a new organization. I can't blame him. I can't blame him for doing it. I, as a fan, you see that what we have invested in Drysdale, you see that, and yeah, you get infuriated. But the blinders are on. I understand it from their perspective. Yeah, I was, you know, I just usually I'm, I'm all for. It's weird as you get older. Like when you're <laughs> younger, you're like, oh yeah, hit him, hit him, fight him. And these days, I'm like, who is this guy? And and why is he making open ice hits like that? I don't know. I'm getting soft in my old age here. I don't know what it is. Um, some good comments here. Let's let's talk a little bit more Flyers D while we're on it. So Deep Sky Bry, thoughts on Ronnie Adder, Emil Andre, uh, Helga Granz floating around the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and potential Flyers as Drysdale replacements. So Adder, I think Adder's getting the call up. I don't know if the Flyers made it official yet. I gotta. I, I'll, gotta I'll try to look it up. I'm almost positive I saw it earlier today that they did. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, um, he's going to get his look. Uh, a lot of, I haven't watched the Phantoms uh, since early on in the season. A lot of people are saying Adder's, you know, knocking on the door, this and that. We'll see because he looks great with the Phantoms. He looked great with the Phantoms last year. Uh, when he got called up to uh, the Flyers, there, there were clear holes in his game still. Um, so we'll see, maybe he's going to need a couple games to, you know, get accustomed to the different style of play. Um, but I hope he, he figures it out. 
and uh, we we get to see what we have in Ronnie Adder. Jack, you have any thoughts on Adder? I mean, he's a he's a name that I definitely want to see. Um, Adder, I'm more impressed with Andre, but Adder's a guy. He's older than some of the prospects. He was drafted older, um, but he has done very well with the Phantoms. It's the Flyers. He's been. He's shown he's belonged. That's about the most I can say about the guy, but I want to see more. That makes me want to see more. He need he, he and Andre, I need to see play more. Uh, Held Grands, I don't know a lot about because he came over in the L.A. deal. He was a former second-round pick, which obviously makes you feel happy. Uh, but I don't remember reading anything about him knocking down the door to get here. Maybe he's a few more years away than the other guys. Adder, age-wise, probably the one we need to see the most. So, yeah, I mean, if you trade Sealer and Walker – you can easily move all three of these guys into your lineup in some capacity. You don't have to, but you can have some kind of mixture or something like that. But this is the time and to, to look into these players. Maybe not if you're in a playoff run, but you're going to have to have some of them. You're not going to add at the deadline. And these guys should be able to handle themselves. So let's see what you got. So I'm glad. I was glad to read that. I was glad to see that. I hope they move on for some def- other defensemen so we can see some more guys and go from there. And um, it was, if anything, it was good news. It was the right name to call up. It wasn't some journeyman, you know, Victor Mete or something like that. It brought up the, the guys they want to see who could potentially make an impact on this team one day. And that's that's what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, after this trade deadline, Ronnie Adder might be up here for an extended stay. Once even once Ristolainen gets healthy, you never. I mean, if if Walker's getting moved. Potentially sealers getting moved. You need to see what you got in Hattered because potentially one way or another. Well, Drysdale might be out. Time. Yeah, Drysdale might be out. Yeah, I mean, you swap yeah. him for Risto, you're still down. How many defensemen at that point? Yeah, right-handed shot. Zimola, you need you need, you need right-handed Zimola, shots Zimola, up there. Zamola is probably going to get a lot more time, not just just not on the power play. So, but still, like filter these guys in. Rotate these guys. See what you have. What's the worst that can happen? You miss the playoffs? Well, that was kind of the plan. So. It is what it is. Yeah, so we're going to get to see that. Uh, Flyers play Friday night against the Capitals, I guess. I, you know, once the Flyers announce it, I, it hasn't – I don't think it's been announced yet by the Flyers. Uh, the Adder's getting the call-up. I think it's rumored. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. They need the – this is what they need. This is another reason why they needed to move out a couple guys so that they can see what they got in Ronnie Adder. He's going to be 25 on March 20th, Jack. This is not a kid anymore. He's not a spring chicken. It's time to see what you got in Adder. Can he play for the Flyers or is he career NHLer? Or AHLer, I'm sorry. Right? Because uh, he seems to ex- su- uh, succeed down there. He's 10 goals, 15 assists this year, 46 games. Is he a top 4D? I don't think so. I think he's probably more bottom pair, maybe seventh pair, uh, seventh defenseman kind of guy. But let's see. This is what we got to see. Can he play with the Flyers? So just an adi- just an add to the Danov deal. This is according to Frank Saravali. Um, Dallas got Tanov, seventy five percent retained. Cole Brady, not sure who that is. Flames got a twenty twenty four second round pick. Artem Grushnikov, a conditional twenty twenty six third round pick. And apparently the New Jersey Devils were involved, and they acquired a fourth round pick. And I heard they they retained fifty percent of the tal- the salary. So you would assume that there would be a first-round pick and all that retaining. That's a lot of retaining. I mean, I know he made like, let's say he made 4.5. I know it's around there. I mean, that's nothing. 75% of that? Christ, was Dallas really that up against the cap? But I, I don't know why. 
the, the devils were involved. That's that's Saravali too. I mean, I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, snuck out fourth out of that deal to retain some cap. Yeah, yeah. Devils got fifty percent. Jeez, that's strange. Well, there you go. Question here from Benit: What what happens to the lineup when TK comes back? And suck. It sucks that they will sit Lixell for Delorier. Well, one one thing that we didn't mention yet, Jack, is the return of Bobby Orbrink. First game back, scores the first goal in the first period. Good How about that, too. man? Yes, that's a nice lucky. goal. So, I mean, right right off the bat, I just want to say this because there there instantly there were people, you know, never send this guy back to the AHL again. Look what the look what a stint in the AHL did for a guy like Bobby Brink. He wasn't doing shit before they sent him down. Let's just be honest. He was invisible. He wasn't doing much. He scored, I think he had like two goals in the last month, something like that. Right? It's, we got a very short memory with this stuff. Bobby Brink was basically Cam Atkinson out there uh, leading up to his uh, demotion to the AHL. Gets, this, is, this is such a luxury that they have with some of these guys. They send him down to the AHL. I think he had 11 points in 11 games. Like, what better way to figure find your confidence and go, hey, I can score goals. I can play this game. You know, all I need is another chance. And now he's got his chance. His confidence is up. He's wearing the dog mask and the, the chain after the game, yada, yada. Like, his confidence has got to be through the roof right now, right? So oh, yeah. when people say this guy should never see the AHL again, well, that's up to the player. That's not up to anybody else. If he wants to stay in the NHL, you got to do this consistently. Right. So for me, I was like, what the hell do you mean? He should never see the AHL again. Look what it did for him. Right. What do you think, Jack? I agree. Players of that age who weren't exactly like top 10 picks, there's nothing you can't learn in the AHL. I mean, you can make that argument for anybody, but there's nothing you can't learn. It's a mentality thing is what it comes down to. Brink had the right mentality. Probably understood that he probably was not in the plans to make the team at all out of the camp. And the fact that he hung around for half the season before he got sent back down, I did good. I did well. I did so much better than I originally thought. Now I got to prove to this team that I belong to stay there, which is part two of being a prospect and making it to the NHL. There's making it, and then there's proving you can stay there. And there's going to be stutter steps along the way, unless you're Connor McDavid or Eric Lindros and any of those guys. And that's fine. This guy's an early second round pick. So he uh, he understood the assignment. He didn't pout, you know, like, I mean, let's be honest, York did a little bit back in the day, and Robiev, my favorite fourth-line center to name. You know, we have these right. guys, and Wade Allison, from what I heard, I don't know how he's doing now, but, like, these are names that, guys, your your career is on, the, not, not York, but, like, the other guys, your, your, your career, in a sense, is on the line you just you just come in with a good attitude and show you care enough to support the organization's decision, you'll be back. It won't be that hard. It happened to Faraby. Faraby did enough to make the team out of camp in 2019 and had to go to the Phantoms because they were going over to like Europe to play their first game or something. And he was like in tears, but he did the right thing. He played his game and in no time he was back. Brink did not fart around in his time in Lehigh. He proved that he did not belong in Lehigh. He was the first call up and he kept that momentum going. It's no different than when you call a guy up mid season and see what he has. And he's having a good season in the NHL. That's why you don't go there with a pouty attitude. Like you deserve to be in the NHL. Nobody's job is ever deserved or guaranteed. And it's good. First off, it's great to see he has that mindset. Kudos to him. And secondly, he, 
he's got the talent. He's got the skill. He can do something with that. I'm not saying he's a first line guy, but he's valuable to this team. So I, I it was great to see. And he well-deserved. I'm so glad he scored. And I hope he's here for the rest of the season. So like, this is a luxury that the Flyers have, right? Like they can put a guy like Bobby Brink in the AHL and call him up whenever they need him. To me, that that's a luxury. Like injuries do happen. Up until I would say the last month, the Flyers were very, very lucky with injuries all season long. Like nobody really pointed that out, but all season long, the Flyers were pretty much healthy. You know, aside from maybe like a minor thing here or there, Coots misses a game or two, uh, TK, whatever. But the last month, all this is starting to catch up. And when you can call a guy up like Bobby Brink, that's pretty damn good. Um, so I, I I never saw it as a negative. Um, you know, it's it's it is what it is. You know, who are you going to take out of the lineup? Um, you know, I've seen guy. I think even Vinit said in the comments here, it, it kind of stinks that the Laurier plays over a guy like Lixell. Is Lixell a fourth line type guy? Is that is that so? Is that what the Flyers want their fourth line to be? Does he mesh with whoever's playing on the fourth line? You know, I don't know. These are questions that we have to ask. Will Lixell fit on the Flyers' fourth line? To me, Lixell's a top nine. Uh, you know, his skills are maybe, maybe top six, top nine guys. I'm not saying he is, but those are the skills that he possesses. So would he be better suited playing top six minutes in Lehigh or on the fourth line in Philadelphia for five to ten minutes? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, it, same thing for Brink. Like if, if TK would have never got hurt, we're not talking about Brink. <clears throat> and in my opinion – He's better suited playing top six minutes in Lehigh than he is playing fourth line minutes or even third line minutes in Philly. You know, let him get the confidence. That it's so important for for, I mean, a, any athlete. But you know, we're talking about hockey. So hockey players, athletes are the most fragile minded people. It, it's crazy to say because you know they they have to be mentally tough and this and that. But if their confidence is low, everything goes out the window. So yeah. it, they, they're kind of delicate in that sense, where if, if Brink is up playing in the pros and he's slumping and you know he's not doing what he knows that he can do, your confidence is going to take a hit. And uh, I, I, yeah, you want him to play through that, but it doesn't have to be now. It can be next year. It, 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 the time will come for that. I don't think it's, it's his time for that yet. In my opinion, that's how I would go about it. I don't think the, the way Bobby Brink's season is going is – above going into the off season last year, anything I thought it would be. I, I thought he might get a cup of coffee this time of year. I thought the season would go differently as well, too. The fact that he made the team out of training camp, the fact that he lasted as long as he did and impressed us for as long as he did, got sent down and came right back up and has shown no signs of, I don't even know what you would call it, rust or I don't know. He's just picked up where he left off when, you know, when he first was playing well. These are all good signs. Like everything I've seen from Brink this year, he's handled as a professional. He's shown he has a skill. He's just a young player still learning. I love I love it. There's nothing to complain about. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, I wanted to bring up bring up Bobby Brink there because he did score the first goal. Uh, and you know, his first game back. Uh yeah, just under 15 minutes of ice time, 14 minutes, 55 seconds. Uh, one goal, one shot. So you know, if he doesn't score that goal, are we talking about Bobby Brink? You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's good that he's up, good that he scored. 
Uh, we'll see what, what else happens. Uh, another player, Jack, that I, I do want to touch on a little bit here, and actually Sean C. mentions him in the comments, Tyson Forster. And I got to tell you, for my own selfish reasons, there's no player that I'm enjoying succeed more this season than Tyson Forster, right? Because this kid all year, maybe sands the first week or two, has been he's been great. He's been more than I think anyone uh, expects, right? Because when they drafted this this kid, we all hear you know big winger that with a with a bomb shot, not the best skater. Uh, only who knows about, you know, his defense and his hockey sense, his play away from the puck, all that. All we knew that he was a big winger that could shoot, right? Well, turns out there's a little bit more to him than that. This guy's been outstanding all year long, right? And I think him not being able to put the puck in the net for a good majority of the season has clouded some people's view or judgment on Forrester because He's been amazing. Uh, there, there are some analytic cards or models, whatever stuff that is, that even had him in, uh, for uh, not called her Selkie consideration. Now, I don't know about all that, but he's certainly held his own playing on the Flyers this year. Like, there's been no reason to bench him, no reason to send him down, none of that. The whole time I'm thinking, this kid's doing what he's got to do. He's playing very well. The only thing that's missing is the goals. And if you're a goal scorer, that will come. He's getting the scoring opportunities, getting the shots. The goals will come. And we're seeing that now. Seven goals in his last seven games, four in his last three. He scored in every one. It's not just against bad teams either. Scored, I think he had one against New York. Well, obviously just one because I lost two to one. Two against Pittsburgh and one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And a highlight real goal against the Lightning. Tyson Forster is going to be a very, very good player for the Flyers for, uh, I hope, a long time. Now, I'm not saying top-line, star-type player, Jack. I think a lot of people actually might hate the this sort of uh, com uh, comparison production-wise, but I think he's going to be like a JVR-type guy where he's a guy that everyone's going to expect to score 30 goals a year, um, but, you know, scores between 20, 25, 30 on a good season. Uh, that kind of player. Uh, obviously, he's got the shot. I think if the Flyers can get their power play going, Tyson Forrester, then you'll see you know uh, him, him contending for 30 goals uh, a season more often. Um, I want to know your thoughts on, on Tyson Forrester, who's on fire right now. Well, I will give you credit, Jim. You're definitely a guy who loved Forrester ever before the Flyers took him. If you were to find our archives, you would see that Jim was a big uh what do you call that? You were, you were a fan, a fan of Forrester before that draft ever took place. So they took your guy and he's showing that you, why you liked him. Um, you know, it's funny, a name that pops in the mind and the, the height isn't there. And I, I like that you brought up JVR. I don't see Forrester as, as that much of a power forward, uh, like JVR would be, but the goal scoring aspect I do see, but because he's not so much of a, a that kind of guy, now, the guy I'm going to give you is about four inches smaller, but the second tenure, that means he played here twice. I can see Forrester being a Mark Recchi type the second time around. Not the guy who scored 123 points as a franchise record. The guy who did everything you needed to. He was a right winger. He was an all-around good player, would score important goals for you, definitely got his own. Definitely 25 goals wasn't usually a problem for him. 
um, a guy you could rely on and a guy who had a longevity in the league and a guy they never should have got rid of something like that. I could see him advocate. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Teddy, <laughs> Jimmy, you were an advocate for us. That's the exact word I was looking for, but, uh, I could see I can, if I've seen that I've seen a lot of Mark stone that that is very heavily on the defensive side, but I wouldn't complain. Mark stone is an absolute stud and it's it. Yeah. And I think, I think Forrester has shown he's a much better overall player, uh, player than um, all around player than JVR. I'll throw, I'll stick with the flyers aspect of it. I'm going to throw out a taller version of recce. Cause that's what he did. He played in all situations. He was a reliable guy could play till he's 40. You know, maybe he got something there and he could score. He could definitely score. He's proven it earlier in his career and he proved it in his second stint with the flyers. And he, he proved it down the line when he was winning cups with, with Boston and Carolina and teams of that nature, he could score important goals. And he's a, he's a player that the locker room can lean on when he's older. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but talk about good all around right winger. You could say Stone. I'm going to stick with the Flyers and say a taller version of Recky. Either way, it's gold. Either way, it's gold. Yeah. We got a comment from Lyndon here. So just remember that I said production-wise, like yeah. JBR. Because they're not – the way they play is not very similar, but production-wise. Where, you know, JBR was a guy that – I think he scored 30 goals only twice in his career, but we always called him a 30-goal scorer. Um in my opinion, that's that's going to be Forrester. He'll he'll hit 30 goals a few times during his career, but uh, perennial, you know, 50 point guy, 25 goals, 25, 30 assists. Vanit here's got 30, 30 uh, with Selkie votes. Yeah, I don't see why not. That's uh, kind of the ceiling there for Forrester. He's he's a fun player to watch, man, and you could tell he has fun out there, which makes it even more fun to watch. And you love to see a guy like that succeed. Um, speaking about success, young rookie success, Jack. Where would the Flyers be without young Sam the Eraser Urson? What a, I mean, numbers are okay. He had that, obviously, the stinker against New Jersey. Uh, played very well against New York. And then, obviously, got the big win yesterday against Tampa Bay. Where would the Flyers be without Sam Urson? And should he be in the Calder conversation? Based on the Calder candidates, probably not, but I understand the reasoning. Who drafted Urson, by the way? Should we ask Anthony? <laughs> I think you should. How about that? Yeah, no, I mean, there. Were, anytime this guy has like a rough game, like I get really nervous because I realize now that how much I'm putting on him because everybody else is so far away, no matter how much we might like him. And with Hart essentially being out of the picture, I'm just like, yeah, this is the guy. So thank God. And he, he makes some re, uh, really tough saves look easy against Bedard. Bedard made our defense look silly and he made some of those saves look pretty routine when they played Chicago. And the other night there was a, there was another play where they left. Uh, I think it was um, Hagel. Brandon Hagel had a nice shot down low and he wide open. Now it wasn't a perfect, you know, breakaway or nothing like that, but he made the save look so routine. I was like, we need more of that. I saw a lot of that with Hart in his prime, like well, the prime we saw. Um, you know, to make the saves like that look easy is exactly what we need. He had a really nice glove save the other night against somebody. Like he's still super young. I love him. He, he's so important to the future of this team right now. So I get nervous whenever there's any kind of like kink in the armor. But you cannot complain about Arson. 
No, I don't think he can. He's got a 2.55 goals against average and a 9.01 save percentage. I think it was Charlie O'Connor that put out a couple, uh, some goalie stats earlier. The league average save percentage is 0.899, and Urson is 0.901. So just two points above the league average, um, you know, but uh, he's keeping Flyers in games, uh, giving them the opportunity to win. You know, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning at home for the first time, and I think it was eight tries. Uh, they should have won against the Rangers on Saturday, and I have no doubt that if he was in goal against the Penguins on Sunday, we're talking about a Flyers win uh, over Pittsburgh. So, I mean, where would they be? They'd be starting Cal Peterson and uh, maybe Felix Sandstrom. We'd, we'd be talking about, you know, do the Flyers got to go find the goalie? And maybe they even still do, Jack, as Cal Peterson was – Wave today for purpose of, uh, I assume, getting sent to the Phantoms. I, I doubt anyone's going to claim Cal Peterson. Um, but right now, I mean, the the Flyers do have sort of a position of need now with, you know, obviously everything that unfolded with Carter Hart. Um, Sam Erson's been thrust into the starting goalie position. Flyers need a backup. Uh, we have here a comment from uh, Micah. Urson and Kolosov going to be the finals in four years. Yeah, could be. So Kolosov, I think his team in Russia is in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not sure how far their playoffs go. I thought I saw to the end of March, something like that. There is a chance that the Flyers could still bring him over. And then, of course, Jack, the discussion is, where do you start him out at? Do you send him down, give him time with the Phantoms? Uh, do you... Do you Call him up instantly. Or do you bring him up right away to be Urson's backup with the Flyers? I mean, I don't know how much of an adjustment you need. You're you're flying across the pond. Maybe it's better that you know you don't know anybody kind of thing. You can focus on hockey. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious. What are you? What are your thoughts now with the Flyers goalie uh, situation uh, with with Kolosov, obviously Sandstrom, Peterson, and Urson? I mean. I understand the urgency in a sense, but to me, this team, we're not supposed to be really doing anything. So I, I just roll with Sandstrom. Don't throw calls off in the NHL. You don't want to kill the kid's confidence or something like that. He might be fine, but don't why roll the dice. He needs the rest of this year in the AHL. He probably needs a majority, if not the whole year of next year in the AHL. Maybe this time next year, you can call him up if you need to, but don't, don't mess with the kid's development some fool's goal this year let him develop naturally he should be a, he should be our ahl goalie and cal peterson needs to be the backup in the ahl until that contract runs out unless they buy him out i don't see the point of that but just let it run out sandstrom's probably not back and i think they need to go get a legitimate backup goalie for Urson next year that's it kolosov is listed uh six foot 185 he's 22 years old turned 22 on january 4th this season for Dynamo Minsk of the KHL, he had a 2.39 uh, goals against average and a 0.907 save percentage, which is down five ticks from last season with Dynamo Minsk. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really – I think I would start him out in the AHL too, um, but I would sort of uh, you know let him know, hey, we want you to get your, uh, get your feet under you quick because we want to bring you up here. Uh, as quick as possible, kind of thing. But if the Flyers are going to go on a playoff run, that's what I want. I, well, there's the know, there's the Black Aces. You know, the, the Black Aces are like a, a, I can't remember how many players it is, 
but it's in case you have injuries in the playoffs, you can like you can have players. He could make that. He could be almost like an unofficial third string in case there's injuries. I don't see an issue with that, but I don't know about throwing him in on purpose without like serious injury, like injuries or long-term injury into a situation where his confidence can be hurt. And you spoke earlier about these players' confidence this year. If there's one position where confidence is key, it's goaltending. So I, I, I just, I don't think I understand the playoff perspective this year, potentially don't think it's worth the kids overall development because we're not in a position where we can legitimately do anything in the playoffs. In my opinion. Good point. Okay. Uh, let's move on a little bit to the playoffs here, Jack. So currently the Flyers hold down the third position in the Metro division, 31 wins, 22 losses, seven overtime losses uh, for 69 points. They are seven points out of second and 12 points behind the New York Rangers. They're five points ahead of the New Jersey Devils for the, I guess it would be the final playoff spot in their division at least. Um, New Jersey has a game in hand. Washington has two games in hand who are seven points back. I'm sorry, six points back. Pittsburgh is seven points back with four games in hand. So all of a sudden, Pittsburgh's a team we got to watch. If they win out, they make the playoffs over the Flyers. So something to consider there. The Flyers don't really have, you know, they have, it looks like they're ahead of some of these teams, but they don't really have any room to, you know, go on another three, four game losing streak. And they're taking on water with these injuries. Uh, and and uh, they need a backup goalie, you know? So they're not a lock for the playoffs if they're just not a lock. Pittsburgh's won three in a row. The Capitals, they've been kind of around 500 all year. We'll see. Um, and then, of course, New Jersey. It looks like they're going to trade for a goalie. I'm not sure. I think Dougie Hamilton's on his way back. He is. There's just a lot of slop behind them, but the slop can pass them. Like the Flyers don't have any room for error. If they but acquire course, Markstrom or Soros, which are both rumored to, look out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that been the devil's glaring weakness for 59 games this year. For a team that had Brodeur. Anything. For a team that had Brodeur, they're – Slacking at a really important position. Yeah. I mean, let them. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't even know. If, I don't think Lindy Ruff is the, the man to lead that team, in my opinion. But the goalies. You hear what he said? He, he no. blamed the media for their power play woes. Yeah. That's desperation right there. He's on his last legs easily. Yeah. I mean, you basically. You're the basically New Jersey. The New Jersey media. Can you imagine if it was here or Toronto or something? The New Jersey media. Give me a break, man. Come on. That's sad. It, you're just announcing that your team is soft, right? When, when you do that, I think you guys are putting too much pressure on them. Like, geez. New Jersey media. Come on. So let's say in a first-round playoff matchup, currently, you know, the Flyers are actually tied for a wild-card spot with the Tampa Bay Lightning now. Excuse me. Both have 69 points. Um as it is, as it stands now, there's going to be five teams from the Atlantic Division making it and three teams from the Metro. Um, but if, if I guess if the Flyers get passed by a team in the division, they're they're tied with Tampa Bay for, um, I, I think, the last playoff spot or or they're just on the outside looking in. We'll, we'll have to see how that works. 
Uh, actually, you know what? They have a nice little wild card button I can click right I was going to say, I'll pull it up for you right now. Yeah. So if they do get past in the division, they'll be tied for the last wild card spot with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I think so they're hold either the tiebreaker. They're either playing Florida or the Rangers at that point. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they look pretty good against both. Uh, they beat Florida and they're 0-2 against New York. So it'd be interesting. I... I would not be against them playing Florida because if they lose, then, okay, you played a great team. Our pick is lower. If you win, that's one, amazing. Two, we have Florida's first-round pick, so that looks nice. Florida's probably going to win the first round anyway, so it might as well be against us. See what I'm saying? Guy. Guy, guy. All right. The little um, things, let's... Jim. It's the little things. As it stands now, Jack, they are set up to play the Carolina Hurricanes, who – I've gotten their shit together throughout this season. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10. Uh, they're far from, in my opinion, some of the Carolina teams we've seen the last few years. They're currently 35-18-6, so 17 games over 500 at this time in the year. That's, that's pretty good. How would you feel going into a first-round playoff series against Rod Brendamore and the Carolina Hurricanes, Jack, with this Flyers team? Assuming everybody, me, for the ma- most part, is healthy. You asked me a month ago. I was a lot more confident. Uh, now, I, you know, first off, you don't have home ice like I thought you would have, or originally you would have. I think they lose. I don't think it's impossible. However, I don't know what they're going to add at the deadline. They're probably going to add something. Um, but they're they're a well-coached team. They have talent all throughout the lineup. I think Tony D'Angelo was a misfire for them, surprisingly. However. They still have plenty of other talent on that team. Um, that would be tough. They're well coached. They have. It's tough to play a team who has four good lines. Essentially, I'm not too keen on their fourth line, but at that point, it doesn't really matter. Is Fredri- if Frederick Anderson is healthy, then you're really in trouble. You know, I, so I, I don't think they win. They've been on a roll lately, Cal- uh, Carolina, um, and they're a team that has always. They're the, what I want to be. A team always in the playoffs, always knocking on the door like a second round playoff, like ejection is a down year for them. You know? So I, I just, they got, they got a lot going for them. They have much higher expectations and I think they're a much more seasoned playoff. Well, they are a much more seasoned playoff team and it's going to show. So I do think that they were originally, I thought we could beat them in six or seven games. Now I'm like, if we even get to six games, I'd be surprised. Yeah, so Carolina, it's they're an interesting team. They're uh, you know, they obviously they're a Rod Brendamore coach team and they play like they're a Rod Brendamore coach team. They've only given up over 3 goals once since January 21st. So they're locking it down defensively playing Carolina Hurricanes hockey, I guess. Um their last few games here I'm looking at a 2-1 loss to Dallas, a 3-2 shootout loss to Buffalo, one nothing win over Florida, a 3-1 win versus Vegas. Uh, and, and so you get, it. I mean, they're playing a lot of tight games. They're winning some against the best teams and they're losing some against the best teams. Um, they have the experience in a first round matchup. That's for sure. Uh, I'm kind of torn on, on what I want the flyers to do here. If they're limping into the playoffs, like let's say the playoffs started next week, they're limping into the playoffs. They're beaten up, right? There's a lot of things they got to get sorted out. I don't see how making the playoffs would benefit this team. Like if they're going to go out four nothing, four to one, I, I don't see 
maybe the learning experience in that. It's good for Comcast, right? They're getting the playoff money. But to get shellacked 4 nothing, 4-1 to in the playoffs is kind of like, I think it's more demoralizing than anything, in my opinion. Whereas if they go into the playoffs, you know, like the, you know, the they're they're flying in there, they're, you know, they they're heading into the playoffs confident, thinking maybe they can win a few games. That's what I want. Then then I, in my opinion, it's a learning experience. When you get to six games, when you get to seven games, even if they lose, you could say, okay, well, we experienced that. We got to experience a game seven. If it comes next year, we we got a little taste. We know what to expect. We know how to prepare. We know what to do differently. If they're limping in and it looks like they're going to get, you know, shellacked, I don't see the point in making the playoffs there. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts? I understand that train of thought. It's it's reminiscent of the old Voracek Drew teams that would play Pittsburgh or Washington in the first round. It was great when they played the Rangers and took them to Game Seven, and it was a close game, and then the Rangers went to the Cup. But when you go and you lose five, yeah, I think you they go down three zero in a series and win a game and then lose. It's like a gentleman sweep at that point. Like what, what do you learn? What do you hit? But those players were more established. These guys are younger. I don't want them to see him get shellacked. Like we're saying, but unfortunately there's only one way to find out. And that's if they look, we're not unless they fall off a cliff and they're getting a better pick. You might as well just make the playoffs and see what you can do. I'm more, I'm more in line with, I don't want them playing the Rangers or, you know, Florida, I could I could wrap my head around, but I don't want to play in Boston. They do not play Boston well. They'll get swept against no. Boston. They'll probably go four to one against the Rangers, especially because both those teams are going to add. I don't necessarily know that Carolina's going to any add, add anything significant. Carolina's a team I think they could hang around. I get your point. No matter who you play, if you get swept, it's going to look stupid, but. Carolina's a team. I do think they could they could come away with two wins, and at the very least, if they lose in five games, every game could be close. You know, they're not getting embarrassed. That's the way yeah. I look at it. So, no, I, I, I get your point. Out of the teams available, in the way Carolina plays, they're not exactly a team that blows out teams. I could I could see something there. It's going to depend if, if they go in, like you said, the season ended now and they went in. That could be tough, but maybe they're healthier going in. Maybe it's a different story. The team looks different without Konechny. They still play well. They still play strong, but they're missing that it factor, that uh, guy almost like a cornerback in football, that showtime guy who can just turn a game over with one play. So, I mean, that makes a big difference too. That's for sure. So let's look ahead a little bit to March, Jack, and uh, a month where the Flyers are playing a lot. Where I'm looking at 10, I'm looking we're 15 games in the month of March. Uh, I think half of those are played at home here. We got seven, eight home games, um, but a, a gauntlet, somewhat of a gauntlet of games uh, come in the month of March. And we're looking at uh, home games against Ottawa, St. Louis, uh, the Maple Leafs twice in a six in a six day span. We got a, game, a home game against the Bruins at one, of course, uh, and then a back to back the next night against Florida. Uh, home, I mean, road games against New York, Carolina, Boston again, another Saturday night game. Tampa Bay is going to be looking for revenge and Florida. I mean, it's this the entire month. There's there's maybe one or two, two or three games. I'm looking at Montreal, San Jose and, and Ottawa. This Saturday is the only three games where they're not playing teams battling for the playoffs here. This this is going to be a make or break month. They They haven't fared very well. 
um, against the, what is the Atlantic division? And they're playing them the most of the month. So this, unfortunately, this could be the month right at the very end where the Flyers kind of get shot out of the sky here, Jack. What do you think? Well, we've said this before with their, with their upcoming schedule. We've been down on them before. Let's not forget, they have gone on these losing streaks and then they go on a break or Christmas break or something like that. And they come out of the break and they beat Winnipeg, you know, Florida and whoever else is at the top of the league. And we're like, oh my God, look at this team go. You know, so like, I'm still and this is now they're with injuries. So I'm expecting when they get a little bit healthier, uh, TK comes back. I think they'll hold they'll hold their ground. I'm not saying they'll they'll handle it, but I think they'll hold their ground. And as Lyndon says there, and I've said this before, if I'm another team and I'm looking at who I could play in the first round, especially I'm about the top of the division, I, I why would I want to play the Flyers? Why would I want that team who has nothing to lose and everything to gain? Why would I want to play that team in the first round? Mm-hmm. So so keep that in mind as well. I do think that we get down on them. They had a really tough weekend. Let's not forget that. Two division, hated division rivals. You come away with no points, but they still played really well. And one of them had Cal Peterson literally just Goldberg, take off the equipment and just skate away, point at the net. And you don't have you know, put that aside. Look what they did to Tampa. That's what they do. They make you feel like you're – why did they even try winning this year? And then they turn around and they knock off a top team. It's going to be a tough schedule. I can't knock them out. They've done it to us off season. Every time we get down on them, they give us a reason not to. They still need to trade at the trade deadline. I will, I will stand behind that, which is about a week away, two, what, ten days away, less nine, something like crazy. You know, even with that, even trading Walker Sealer and whoever else, Lawton. Let's say they do that. Lawton, Walker, Sealer, you still don't want to play this first this team in the first round. Jack, I'm going to try to get under your skin a little bit here because I, I feel like uh, I got under yours and uh, Anthony's a little bit. I think it was oh. maybe yesterday because this comment here kind of reminded me. Uh, not this one. 30 goals for Barkey. Sorry, not that one. Thank you, though. 30 goals for Denver Barkey. That's pretty good. 84 <laughs> points in 54 games. Love it. All right. So there was somebody on Twitter the other day, and I'm not going to try to dig it up now. But I think they posed the question, or it wasn't a question. The comment went something like, if the Flyers now didn't make the playoffs, it would cause distrust between the Flyers and season ticket holders or potential season ticket holders. Uh, Do you buy into that at all? Um, Because I I I can understand where this person was coming from with this point of view, and it's not one that I'd really thought of. Because I think we all, uh, you know, we kind of get sucked into this Twitter machine and, you know, everyone is, is as plugged in as us. And, you know, we know what, you know, John Tortorella is saying every day and we know what the message is when, you know, maybe a lot of the people that go to these games, you know, they, they have fa- family, kids, uh, whatever it is. They have other obligations. You know, they work, yada, yada. Maybe they're not on Twitter, you know, 24-7 you know, looking at all this stuff and they're thinking, Hey, the flyers are good this year. They're in the playoffs that, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. I can't wait to buy tickets, yada, yada. Maybe there are people out there that will feel some kind of way. If the flyer starts selling people off and miss the playoffs, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? The key word you said there was distrust. Now, if I'm going to look at what the flyers organization has said and done, and then re said again, who would feel 
the distrust the most if they were to make moves for the playoffs now and disregard the future. The entire before the season and multiple times during the season, they have said that we are going, we are in a rebuild and we are going to do things that look at this team success in the future, not this year. They have said that they have reiterated that. And so, so at what point did they tell the season ticket holders or the people that they're banking on buying tickets or playoff tickets? Like this is all public information. This is, that's been out there. What point did they secretly tell them we're going for it? Get your popcorn ready. Playoff tickets are coming your way. You know what I mean? Like I, if they were to suddenly go for the playoffs this year, the distrust would be with all the diehard fans, all the, Twitter fans, which is a lot of fans, whether they're diehard Fairweather or not, everybody's on Twitter in some capacity. And all that stuff gets re, re, retracted or resent to Facebook, Instagram, any other whatever the hell you got. They've talked about it on the radio. They talked about it on TV. If they, they have been adamant that they are going to build this team properly and right, if they were to suddenly go for it this year and abandon all that, the only distrust they would have is with the same exact fans that they were trying to win back by being open and honest with us since the off season and with everything above and beyond, which they have. So that would, that would be such a culture shock to the fans, such a slap spit kick in the face. It would, it would be something that would be, we would question them from top to bottom at that point. And I understand your point. Sure. But these guys are paying money. These guys were told this at the season ticket holders meeting or whatever the hell those guys come and go. Us guys are always here and we always back the team and they know how bad things got. We started the bag movement. They mentioned that shit. That's the kind of power we hold. So there is in my personal opinion, there is no way they'd be stupid enough to choose these fans that come and go pay tickets for their companies or whatever, they'll probably do the same thing because they don't know better anyway over the people who report on them constantly. They've brought in other podcasts who work for them. You know who I'm talking about, who were known for shitting on the organization to turn around and spit in everybody's face would be so detrimental to exactly everything they're trying to change how they're trying to be different from the last regime, they would take so much heat. It would, it would be catastrophic to a degree, depending on how they handled it. I don't see it. I don't believe it. And I hold Briere and especially Keith Jones in higher character that they would never even do it. Yeah. It was an interesting comic. And cause not one that, like I said, not one that I'd considered, you know, I think along with everybody else, uh, we're, we're giving this organization uh, the new regime a chance, right? Briere, Jones, Hilferty. And so uh, you can't lump in things of the past with the new guys. You have to take them for what they are. Take them for what they say, you know. You always give give the opportunity to, to, to trust somebody. Uh, and obviously they need to follow through with their, you know, it, it, talk is talk. You have to kind of follow through with your, with your actions. The actions speak louder than words and the trade deadlines coming up. We'll, we'll see what happens. You, you can't say consistently that we're going to do one thing. We're going to do one thing. We're going to do this. 
and then not do it. That's, that's, I mean, that's why the whole time I, I never understood where fans are getting. We need to sign John Walker, right? Cause the, the same fans are, this, this, they're the same fans going, thank you. We got to rebuild. Now we can do, th- do things the right way. And it's like, how is Sean signing Sean Walker any different than what they've been doing our entire lives, Jack, you know? Well, first off, I love the comment from Sean C here. They need more seasoned tick holders like you who get the assignment, who understand how a hockey team is built, who understands if you're going to buy season tickets, this is how you, you, this is how you go to playoff games every year, not just once in a while. You know, you build the team properly. And transparency has been huge with this team. And they knew that, and they made it seem that way. So if they were to turn on that, it'd be like, oh, my God, I would lose my mind. I would be – we would have – look, I love doing a Flyers podcast. I love having things to talk about. If they were to do that, we'd have content for months. But I prefer they do things right. I want to see the team win ultimately. So that's all that matters. Um, But, yeah, I mean, everything they said – we that we said, like they, they, they've already made moves towards the rebuild. They didn't expect the team to do what it did. You know, I'm sure they didn't expect Carter Hart to start the year, let alone play half of it. You know, I didn't think they expect Walker to do what he's doing, but they're going to prove to you that they're going to stick to their guns. They know they're not a contender. They're going to move these guys. We can put this all to rest, keep the transparency. We already lost Gautier. That was almost something that no matter how you view that trade and how much you like Gautier, you can still view that whole situation like, wow, they blew it with a, a really talented guy. Cause if you see his highlights recently, he's still on fire. So, I mean, you have to have some trust with its organization that they made the right move or they were forced to make the right move or they did things properly leading up to that issue that forced them to make that move. So to take away any trust with what you have now, what you saw wrong with the last organization and, and go against that, they might as well put their papers in. I mean, there's, there's no way I, I don't see it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's that time of year now, Jack, we got a week left, uh, for the trade deadline. We talked about earlier, Calgary flames made their move, uh, acquiring second, third, a prospect. And I, I forget if there was something else for Chris Tanev, a third and round conditional conditional. So not even just a third round pick. And you know, um, Tanev was kind of, I don't want to call him the big fish, but he was the dominant. I mean, they just read it today. Tanev was the guy that everyone was waiting to see when the Flames were going to do it, when they were going to move him. And uh, I think the get back, at least if you're a Philadelphia Flyer fan, was underwhelming, was it not? I mean, we were hoping for the best. But as I alluded to before, like I, it just felt everything I'd heard that first round picks weren't going to be one in abundance and two being traded a lot. And they were going to find a way to avoid trading first round picks. And you see, they got out of it. It's first or it's a second. It's a conditional third. I don't know the condition. It's a prospect. He could be better than we realize. We don't really follow the Dallas stars prospects. There's a few we know, but they're not those. It's a, it's a 34 year old rental. I mean, he's not exactly a guy who's going to, He's a defensive guy. Like, you know, like he's solid. It's a great ad for Dallas. Other people say Dallas got hosed. I don't, I don't think so. But I think that's wishful thinking on our part. In any other market, if we're a, a buyer, are you giving up a first-round pick for Sean Walker? I don't know. I don't think I am. Other markets have been a lot stronger. 
However, in a weaker market, weird things happen. On the contrary to that, there's a lot of teams that don't have the draft capital that we would like. So you got to deal with who you got to deal with. I just, it's Danny Briere's first trade deadline. I'm hoping that he just, he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. That's the only thing I can hope. And he gets somebody to bite on something. And I, look, if we trade Walker for a second at plus, that's not bad. We weren't expecting anything out of this guy. And we trade Sealer for, I don't know, a fourth, a third. Based on those contract asks, do it. And then if he can make some magic happen at the draft, you know, this doesn't end at the deadline. This can roll into the draft itself. You can trade up. I know those trades took place last year in the first round. Well, they're allowed to. Things can happen. They already have two first-round picks. They already have two second-round picks. You can add more, make something happen. Or you can just do your draft research and really hit on somebody. Just trade who you're supposed to trade and get as much value as you can. That's it. So here's something I'm reading on Chris Tanev here. Look, he's got a career high 171 blocks this season. Second most in the NHL too. Sean, uh, Nick Sealer. Nick Sealer. He's a plus 16 and he's playing almost 20 minutes a night with a team high. Two minutes and 36 second average of shorthanded time. Now, we might be selling Nick Sealer a little bit short here. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Sealer doesn't have the Tanev name. Like, you hear you hear Chris Tanev, and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, pretty good defensive defender, top four guy. He's going to do all the, the dirty stuff that, you know, some of these, a lot of these players don't like to do. Um, but uh, we might be overvaluing Sean Walker and undervaluing Nick Sealer a little bit. Just interesting to keep an eye on that there. I mean, the next week's going to be nuts. How many minutes? What's the difference in minutes between the two players? Uh, let me see real quick. Sealer's average. I think Sealer is very one-dimensional. And with, I don't want to say limited minutes. I don't make it sound like he's like Mark Stahl or Ghost or something. But like, if you shelter his minutes properly, he's incredibly good for you. But if you leave him out there too long, he will get exposed. So here, so here's something interesting, Jack. So I mentioned Tanev was a plus 16. Nick Sealer is a plus 16. He scored his first goal. Did he score during the stadium series game? Yes. Okay. The only goal was in, it was in the stadium series game. He's got 11 points, 76 penalty minutes, which, you know, whatever, uh, three shorthanded points. And he's, yeah, he is averaging just under 17 minutes a night, 16 minutes and 53 seconds. Uh, I'm sure a lot of that's coming shorthanded as well. So there are some comps to Sealer and Tanev and, you know, it sounds crazy to pair up Sealer and Walker, but if it gets you a first, if it gets you multiple picks, including a first round pick, as as you know, as as sucky as it would be to trade Nick Sealer, I can I'm strongly considering that deal. You know, like uh, but it's got to be it's got to be more than the first round pick. A first for both of those guys doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. But you know, there's a deal to be made. I I think. Right. You make you're good at selling me and you make me you make me feel like you sold me a Scott Lawton worth two first round picks the other night. And then I listened to another podcast like oh, a third at best. Um I think what podcast def- was this? 
Oh, it was hockey buzz. They, they don't, they're not big. They're not big flyers guys. Um, outside of Eklund, wow. who's, who's barely on the, yeah. Uh, you gotta understand, like when you're on the outside looking in and you're potentially acquiring, you know, this is guys who cover Buffalo and the Rangers, you know, you, you typically want to get that player for less. So you're going to make excuses as to why I do agree. I do agree to an extent not to suddenly get on Lawton. If you're giving up a first round pick for a guy like that, you're hoping he can probably play two C and three C long periods of time where I think Lawton's more of a three C four C and for extended periods of time on a three C he could get a little exposed. Could happen. Bigger, bigger centers will wear him down. What are you putting on the screen? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think Teddy's drinking. Uh, Walker did have a good question. This, what was his question? Um, about rookies, rookies this year besides Bedard. Do you have any uh, other? I mean, Bedard's going to win, but like any other rookies of the year? Hmm. You know, I. Uh, you know who's playing really well, Jack, that's not getting a lot of attention is, uh, man, what the hell's his name? Brock Faber in Minnesota. So he's Boy, my he's number an, He's my number two. Outstanding year. Uh, you, you wouldn't know that he was a rookie. I think he's got – I was just looking at him the other day. 30-plus points, four goals. He's playing tough minutes. Uh, it kind of just uh, – he was in – I think he played in the NCAA uh, playoffs last year and – as soon as they were done, joined the Wild and just really hasn't missed a step since going from NCAA to NHL. It's pretty pretty remarkable when you think about it. But I would say Brock Faber's got to be up there. I, I honestly believe that it's Bedard's to lose and he'll win it. I don't think he will lose it. The only person in this somewhat similar stratosphere is Brock Faber. Other than that, yeah, it could be okay. what? What? You could put like what? Brossy, uh, Connor Zari, maybe like, I mean, it, it's so far from the, everybody else. It's like, to me, it's, it's just, it's Bernard's and outside of another broken jaw, it's Brock Faber. And there's nobody, there's really nobody else. Let me go ahead. And, uh, I don't even remember how to look up just rookies on, uh, NHL. I don't think they just have a rookie category anymore. It's not uh, NHL the game. It's NHL. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you're, you're right there. So Connor Bedard was missed a bunch of time, 40 points. Oh, Brock Faber's second among rookies in scoring. So yeah, there you go. Marco Rossi is up there. Uh, Varankov from Columbus with 30 points, which I had, I'd never I even heard fancy. of that guy. Now, I had him in my other fantasy league for a while. He cooled off though. He totally cooled it, off. Is he like an actual rookie or is he like one of those Russian, like 26, 27 year old rookies? I don't think he's that old. I think he's like 24 okay. or 25. All right. Yeah, and you got Zari Hughes, 29 points. Adam Fantilli, 27, also been injured for a little while there. Cooley. And Tyson Forster's in the top 10 rookie scoring. Hey, maybe, uh, maybe he sneaks his way in there a little it, bit. How do you fit Arison in there? I mean, where does he fall? That's a good question. I, I would have him I would have him top three. I feel bad. I asked Teddy if he was drinking. He's just drinking water. Sorry, oh. Teddy. I, I didn't know why you were saying that song. I apologize. I would have, I would have Urson top three. So he's your third after Faber and Bedard. Yeah, and I'm and I might even uh, it might even be neck and neck with Faber. Faber's obviously wow. played the entire year. 
So mm. we'll we'll go with Faber for overall too. But I have Urson pretty high up there. I mean, I, you consider how the season's gone. Who like drafted Urson? Is Anthony Anthony still on there? Who who drafted Urson? All right, guys. Ant's got his mic ready. He's got to come on. You guys can yeah, do this. Yeah, let's get that mic and ask me that question, you son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. All right. Uh, we're about an hour and a half in, Jack. My um, my throat hurts. Do we have anything else we want to talk about here? I think we hit them all, man. And this trade deadline, well, let's just say it. Trade deadline, we're going to have a show next week, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Next Friday, looking to go live. We'll see who's on. I'm that I took off. I'm going to be on. I'm thinking 1230, 330. Tread deadline ends at three. So we can talk a little bit afterwards. We'll see how it goes. We're going to have everybody, well, most people from high and wide, our whole community popping in and out. It's tread deadline. Could be dead for a while. Could be underwhelming. Doesn't matter. Either way, we're going to be live. I'm going to be live. Uh, 1230, 330 at the very least. Jim will pop in. And you guys ask phenomenal questions. I also need you for like my encyclopedia when I, you know, brain fart. So if you guys could pop in, that'd be great. Need you for multiple reasons. You want to hang out with somebody for the trade deadline, hang out with high and wide. That'd be great. We love you guys. I appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, hopefully they'll trade everybody beforehand and we're just waiting for the fourth liners to get moved. But um, that's the plan anyway. Uh, March 8th, 1230, 3.30. Yep, uh, we'll be there, boys and girls. That'll be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, it's a little bit more exciting than last year's trade deadline. If I can't believe that's a year ago already, where they failed to trade JVR. You remember that? One so of yeah, Chuck Fletcher's just feats of strength, just <laughs> sitting on his ass. You know that wasn't actually his first trade deadline mishap. No. Do you remember oh. the the Simmons one? Simmons and Stolarz both were baffling. Simmons, he had a trade made with <laughs> the trade app broke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had a trade made with Calgary and Simmons was like, yeah, I'm not going to Calgary. My wife's pregnant. Oh shit. I guess I'll trade you to Nashville, but that yeah. actually wasn't bad. Hartman was a good get. Um, he traded Stolarz to Edmonton for Cam Talbot and Talbot played how many games or should I say how many periods? Like he yeah, didn't play right. at all. Really? That was just silly, but what are you going to do? He guy was brain dead. So it is what it is. Yep, yep. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about uh, next week. We'll see how many times Chuck Fletcher is brought up. We'll be back next week for two shows, our regular show, probably, uh, I don't know, when the Flyers play, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday night we'll be on. And then, as Jack mentioned, uh, trade deadline Friday, big show. Make sure you, everybody shows up in the comments again. Uh, it's been fun hanging out. Too many people to name. Uh, the comment section is really growing. We, we thank you guys for showing up every single week, hanging out with us. Uh, you guys have been great as always. So for one last time, give us a subscribe and a follow. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And set alerts for weekly shows and favorite, hoo.be forward slash hockey, where you can find all of our social media links in one place, or head over to hwhockey.net for all of our latest episodes and articles. You can check out our newest member, Megan Riley's first post-game article. She's also going to be live tweeting during games. So you guys can hang out with Megan uh, when the Flyers play. Um, every time they play, Megan will be on there. So really look forward to that. As always, boys and girls, thanks for hanging out. Uh, have a good night. We'll be back next week. Chat's killing Fletcher. Keep it up. <laughs>